0: Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a Chief Evangelist? That's what we're exploring at ChiefEvangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from a designer, speaker, and three-time author. He delivers workshops on topics like UX design, journey mapping, and the jobs-to-be-done framework, among others. He's done experienced design work for companies like LexisNexis and Citrix Online. For nearly eight years now, he's been at Mural, an intelligent whiteboard design space for team collaboration, initially as VP of Customer Experience, and for the past couple of years as Chief Evangelist, Jim Kalbach, welcome to Chief Evangelist.
1: Hey, hey Ethan, thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, I love your background. I I, I want to talk about customer experience, and I want to talk about design, <laughs> but we're going to focus on the evangelism role primarily here. Although I'm sure other topics will bleed in, and I want to start with. From your perspective, what is the most important job of a chief evangelist?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know if there's any one job per se, but I, you know, I think about it as, you know, what's the what's the function? And I think when you're in an industry that itself is still expanding as an organization, I think it's um I think it's to your benefit, financial and otherwise, to help the to help the market expand as well, too, and expand the thinking around your space. And I think what the chief evangelist is, is uh, it's kind of a face of the organization, but, but the main function is to, is to help uh, you know, promote and, and expand the, the field and the space that you're in. And I, take, I do it from a customer perspective. So I don't see myself as a product evangelist. I'm a customer and evangelist and I'm evangelizing their problem uh, in that space. I
0: love it, and and this is the, and I think there's a lot of tension in this. So I we'll we'll spend some time discussing this because I, you know I've I've been I've seen both sides of this at different points in my time at BombBomb where I'm also chief evangelist, and um, it's this idea of you know I'm sure some people internally feel like, well Jim, why aren't you out there saying mural 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 mural, um, and you're out there with this perspective of and i'm speaking for you so then i'll give it back to you and you can correct me but yeah. um you know rising tide lifts all boats exactly. neural's not going to be successful if 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 kind of digital whiteboard intelligent collaboration doesn't become a thing that's fully widespread and adopted like say crm or something no company yeah. would really expect to go anywhere without some crm basis and so how do we make this a normal right. practice that almost every business or a segment of businesses really need or want. Um, And so you're working probably both sides of that. So talk a little bit about that tension.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I think it goes back to the customer uh, perspective and, you know, my, my motto when, when I was the head of the the customer experience organization, and even to this day was that making better customers makes better customers. Right. So if, if we look at things from the customer perspective, you have uh, organizations that that we're that we're you know selling into where they're just getting used to like email. Some of them I just heard that the other day they're getting used to they're getting used to teleconferencing, right? Of course the 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 pandemic was a crash course in teleconferencing, but like um, you know turning your webcams on uh, is is now a new thing. And the point there is that you know mural when you think about collaboration and workplace collaboration, it's changed a lot over the past two years. But we're just part of an eco, we're part of a bigger ecosystem that, if, in order for collaboration to take place inside of an organization, there are the traditional offices, but then there's a whole host of collaboration tools that people have to get their work done, right? Everything from email and Slack to shared drives to, uh, you know, the project management, Asana like tools and JIRA and all these other things. And I think if if we were to again we're in a, you know we're in a space that's expanding and like you said trying to establish a whiteboard as a thing that that um, is part of that tool a, a must have part of that toolset we can't ignore we can't ignore that ecosystem right so if I go in and just say mural 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 that's great you know uh, and I could do that but it ignores the the customer viewpoint which is their the, their struggle is with all those other things as well too so if I approach it from that perspective I need to. Uh, I I need to show how mural fits in with the ecosystem of everything that they're doing. And when I've consulted customers, you know I've talked more about how do you, the best way to make use of Zoom or the best way to make use of Slack. Like that that's part that has to be part of my routine. When I go out there, so it is. It is a much broader perspective, and I think that that speaks to the maturity of the industry that we're in. Right, that you know, whiteboards weren't on anybody's radar ten years ago, five years ago maybe a little bit. Now, now they're now they're a thing. But you know, having this ecosystem view and the customer perspective is why I don't just go out there and and say you know mural, mural, mural
0: yeah, I think ecosystem is the key word in this yeah. conversation yeah. so far. And I really like it for a variety of reasons because, um specific to your point, it acknowledges the reality that the customer lives in every day. and it also helps put mural in context, like exactly. where does this fit in these other things? When do we do um, you know, when do we go to it? In what context do we go to it? For what purposes and what are all the other pieces around it? And I think it's easy to lose sight of that. Um, Do you you feel like there, and I'm not asking to get into mural business, but like, have you gotten any pushback or or push toward um, more of a product orientation? I guess that's what I'm getting at is that, I think think people that are on the sidelines of evangelism, right? They haven't appointed someone, it's kind of happening by default. I think this idea of, we can't afford to invest in something that isn't yeah. exclusively,
1: right, right. you know, yeah.
0: let's sell another seat, let's sell another account, let's land right. another yeah. logo. Um, is, there, is there tension around that?
1: Not, not necessarily. No, I don't think there's tension around that. Um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're motivated to, to sell more uh, memberships, as we call them. But the, 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 uh, the, the good side of this, from my perspective, is that Mural is a visual tool. And it's about visual collaboration. So even though I don't say mural or have, you know, logos on tattooed on my forehead, when I'm when I'm speaking with customers and doing engagements, they're almost always remote. And even if they're in person, we usually have a touch screen or something behind us. And I'm demonstrating, right, I'm demonstrating the value of mural and the way to do that is with mural. Right. So there. So there is this. there's this kind of underpinning of mural throughout the conversation without it being the logo on the top of my conversation, if that makes sense. So, uh, and almost any presentation or engagement that I have, even, 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 you know, in my, 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 uh, moonlighting gigs as well too, I'm using mural for all of that. So, so it's, it's present. It's, it's so present, you know, you're soaking in it. You know, that that kind of thing. Remember that Palmolive commercial way? Yeah. You, oh, I'm, you're soaking in. Like, you don't, you don't, re, they don't realize they're getting this immersive mural um, kind of presentation and promotion from me because it's it's just there in the background always, right? Yeah. Which I think okay. is more powerful, um, Ethan, actually.
0: No question. <laughs> I mean, I also, that's where I kind of wanted to go too. on the, I'm helping them with problems outside the bounds of what my product solves, right? Like, there's just a level of trust, like, They're going to come to you for all kinds of things. And, you know, you probably have to be careful and draw some lines. I mean, you can't give like 15 hours to an account, like solving problems, totally unrelated. But that's where the trust is. And that's where the like, who can I go to? Who can I count on? Whose advice can I trust? Who's not just
1: trying to, you know, pull another dollar out of us. Uh, agree, and I, you know, I, I have trouble saying no, right? In general, so uh, you know, I'll throw my throw, yeah, same with you. I'll throw my hat into the ring, uh, and I have been in situations where I totally overextended my 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 promises or you know what I could offer, and I've you know I've been at the ends of my consulting, not 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 like just mural or even collaboration. Like I'm I'm <laughs> consulting them on like process management and team relationships. I'm at the end of my consulting, like literally stretched. Uh, I try to avoid those situations and not overextend, right? But I've done that in the past because of the. I think it's a willingness, uh, you know, to your point. It's just, you know, are you willing to um, sit down and empathize from the customer's point of view and solve their problem that they have right then and there, even if it goes "quote unquote," you know, you're coloring outside the lines, right? Um, uh, but I think I think that's part of part of being an evangelist. At least it has been for me, Ethan. I'm actually going to ask you, Is that do, do you do that too? Do you color outside the lines a little bit and talk to customers about problems that are not within your business? Yeah, absolutely. So
0: yeah. for folks who aren't familiar, BombBomb is video email and video messaging. We make it easy to record video messages in place of what would typically otherwise be blocks of faceless typed out text that... Don't differentiate you, don't help you communicate as clearly because things like emotion and tone are difficult to capture that way. So absolutely. And and, and I'll also teach, like I'll come in if I get an invitation to present. Um, I, I've had very explicit feedback that, like, that's why we love to have Ethan back, is that yeah. you know, he shares these ideas are incredibly helpful, whether or not you choose to use, you know, bomb yeah. bomb to do it. And mm-hmm. I'm often explicit about that too. And I think I do it for the same reasons that you go outside the lines, which is that it builds trust and credibility. You're a true partner in their success and they're willing to come to you in the future. And when it does come time to solve that problem, which is digital whiteboard collaboration or uh, video messaging, you're the person that gets the call. And so I'll do, I'll do a like a, a very specific, explicit discovery call around the product. And then do a warm handoff to a salesperson. And I've done that many times before. And in fact, I'm thinking of um guests on the other podcast I host, the customer experience podcast. I've had people reach out that um that I hosted on the show. That's how we got to know each other. And it's the same thing, hey, you know i'm I'm looking at um twenty twenty one. I'm looking at twenty twenty two now it' be I'm looking at twenty twenty three. We need to add video messaging. I didn't even call anybody else. I just wanted to reach out to you. Right. Can you tell me what I need to know and get me in touch with a salesperson at Bob Bomb? And so it's that it, it's a the lines are not direct. And and I'm not, and we'll get into this too. I, I'm not good at direct attribution, but I know if I went to some of our account executives, I know if I went to one of our key sales managers or sales leaders, they would all say, Yeah, this dude gives us warm opportunities.
1: Yeah I agree and and I have I have evidence not not proof like you said it the, <clears throat> the degrees of separation between causality is sometimes pretty far but you know the, I think there's a belief that if you establish that trust in the ways that we just discussed that the returns will be there uh, you know maybe not within the quarter date you're OKR, but the returns will be there and I have evidence with with one of our largest accounts and that's that's kind of how that account got started with just a very very open mind and willingness from our side to jump in and solve their problems. And I actually call, I call it co-creation. What we did with that customer in particular was co-creation because they came to us with a problem we didn't know how to solve either. And we both figured out how to solve that problem together, right? Talk about connection and bonding and trust that you get from the customer when you literally throw your hat in the ring at an eye to eye level with them and solve that problem that nobody knew what the outcome was gonna be. Again, it's one of our biggest customers, and I believe it's because of that relationship that we established early on.
0: Love it. Tell me a little bit more about. Um, you know, you, I like how you said it. You said evidence, not uh, what was what isn't it? Could,
1: could cause that like direct proof and with yeah, the yeah. yeah, Proof. That was it. Okay, right. yeah, so right. like <laughs> so, what
0: um, what other kinds of evidence are you gathering yeah. for yourself and for the for the broader yeah. conversation in the business?
1: It, it, yeah, that's a good question. I'm trying. I'm trying to think about how to, um, you know, as chief evangelist, how to how to show that value. Um, of course, you know, a lot of folks like numbers, so I'll, uh, I'll 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 note the size of the accounts that I've worked with in a quarter or something like that. But I also collect a lot of qualitative evidence, and I think a lot of it's going to come from testimonials and feedback. And people, you know, when a customer says what you just expressed, Ethan, when they say Ethan went above and beyond and I trust him and I trust, I, I trust Bomb, Bomb, right? If you have that quote in an email or coming out of a customer's mouth, I record, I capture that as I say, look, look at this, look at what we did. Okay. It's, it's one person. Uh, so the data point is r- relatively thin in a quantitative sense, but the depth of the qualitative texture of that quote is really deep. Right, that you have a foaming at the mouth fanatic customer at that moment, you know that that's gold. I I think so. I I I I, I express that, and a lot of the evidence is with with qualitative feedback and storytelling. Uh, I see a lot of the um, uh, part of being evangelist is being able to tell stories, not only to customers, but then back internally as well too. So it's a lot of the storytelling mechanism. Can you, can you undergird that with metrics and data and and numbers? It's like, yeah, you can. I don't, for me, that's not the point to be honest with you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, you've already inspired me and I talked with Jen Allen recently too. And, uh, I definitely need to be more diligent about this, or I could be at least, I don't know that I will, but I should probably be more diligent about this. And I think it's really good advice for a uh, anyone in the role or thinking about getting into the role. I love what you shared there. Get really direct and practical with me. Like um, you mentioned uh, an outward direction toward customers, but you also just referred to the idea of bringing customer insights and stories back into the organization. Yeah. Um Talk about some of the main, uh, and you mentioned, you know, giving presentations or doing kind of direct consultation and meetings with prospects or customers break down, like, what are some of the key activity areas and what are yeah. some of the key um, channels that you're yeah. using to, to communicate outward and to communicate right, inward? Yeah. Um, just break down, like for someone's like, Jim, what do you actually do as a yeah, chief? Yeah. Director? Yeah. Just give me, give yeah. us a sketch.
1: It's a, it's a good, it's a good question. And I I thought, I thought a lot about this when I got into the role and, you know, there's all the existential scab picking, like, who am I, what am I doing here? (laughs) Because like, you know, we've talked about this, Ethan, in our group is that there's not a, there's not a degree program for chief evangelists. There's no conference for chief evangelists, right? So you get this title because it's out there in Silicon Valley and so forth. And you get this title and you're, wow, what is this? So, you know you, you go you go deep, right? and you think about what you're doing. I actually have it sketched out here behind me and I realized the the podcast folks won't be able to see that. But I actually came up with this model that is it's just the four Cs. I, I made it, you know, convenient mnemonic. And I think the core, the base of it is around understanding the company, our values, our mission, our our vision of the future. Uh, and working towards that. Uh, some of the, you know, the way that comes out is through writing and speaking. I interface with analysts. I don't know if you do that, any of that kind of work, um, Ethan, uh, but, all, you know, also blog posts and webinars and things like that, right? Um, that And that's kind of the base. That's the fuel. The fuel is our, our vision and our mission and under really understanding that and working with that too, helping the marketing team to massage that brand uh, uh, vision and things like that. Um, and then the next level here on the diagram, the blue level, that is internal. And I call that culture. So I go from company, that's the first C, to culture. Uh, and that's more the internal one, and and what I try to do is uh well one one specific thing to answer your question is uh, during our onboarding sequence we have a an onboarding sequence uh, one of one of the sessions that folks have is with me, and I'll and I'll wave my arms like I usually do and and you know pontificate about our stories I I literally tell stories. Uh, during, the, during, during, are these
0: session. one-on-one or are these like small? No, groups? it's
1: a, it's a group. It's a, it's a group yep. so we hired yep. in the last month or whatever. then they'll, they'll come through me and there's usually kind of cohort like things. Yep. But then I also do one-on-ones. I also do one on and I encourage people that if they want to speak on stage or if, you know, they, they want to even just mentoring their own careers or whatever, I, I encourage them to come to me as well too. Um, so there's that internal focus. So it's company culture. And then moving out is customers. And I know we've talked about that in our group, Ethan, uh, you know, a lot of work with customers uh, and coming from, you know, I, I founded our customer success team. So I know a lot of our customers and I know kind of our emotions. So, um, uh, you know, it was, it's very natural for me to be up in front of, you know, st- in, in speaking in front of customers. And I do a lot of that. It, be, it becomes a little bit more of a VIP event, though, when you're chief evangelist. When I, when I was heading up the customer success team and I had my own portfolio, it was every month I'd have a phone call with the customer and it was just kind of ongoing. Now now I, I kind of fly in for a little bit more of a VIP-like experience, but uh, doing a lot of that um, um, uh, contact with, directly with customers. And then the last ring out there is uh, uh, the community at large. So being involved in uh, conferences and, and in communities, we have a community called Work Forward, that we're part of, it's its an open source community about new ways of working. And and we do events with them. And there's other kind of community and more outwardly facing things. And the way I've drawn this is it's a flame. So there's fuel and then, and then there's a flame because I see myself as a fire starter, right? And the, the idea of a chief evangelist is to start the right fires that are going to have the maximum impact. So what, I, what I'm trying to do is find like, can I work with that customer that's right on the cusp? of growing to the next order you know magnitude order of magnitude of accounts and if i can time that so it's the right thing the account team will go jim that helped us catapult that account up there or if i do a webinar on a new topic you know hey we got we got uh, we got eyeballs on that or the media is paying attention to that right uh, it doesn't you know it's kind of like venture capitalism you kind of place your bets all over the place you're like i think that's going to be a big thing i think that, so you don't always win but you're trying to start these fires that are going to have a, ma- a maximum impact
0: yeah and I love the fire. First of all, I love the 4 Cs. It makes a lot of sense. Again, uh just to recap that was company, culture, customers, Customer community. community. Yeah. Yep. And and so this uh, this fire metaphor um the idea that people can th- that you're, you know, lighting them up and they're carrying it forward and they can light other people up too. And so it's this it, it and that's the, the power of the community piece. To me the community just to tie back to one of your original um uh, lessons here is that it's about growing the market on whole and creating some awareness excitement about this opportunity to work differently through something right. like an intelligent whiteboard. Um, and so, the, like the, the community is well beyond mural, and some of them will enter the customer ring. Um, and I don't know about you, but we've definitely hired passionate yeah. followers yeah. of the company and sometimes even passionate customers. Yeah. And some of my favorite customers, some of them have been customers. I've been at the, I've been at bomb bon full-time for 11 years. I'm thinking of a customer right now who who we've kind of playfully talked back and forth about him joining us. He's been a customer longer than I've been an employee.
1: You no, know? <laughs> right. so it's yeah.
0: like it's yeah. that so so people the the rings can actually move in closer and I definitely yeah. think there's a lot of potential to move community into customer. Um but that's not yeah. really what it's about. It's about spreading spreading spreading
1: yeah. and
0: trusting that it'll come back to the company in the right way.
1: Uh, absolutely. Um and also, you know, here at Mural we also have a couple of rings of, of networks of folks who are, who are closer to us and actually provide services on our behalf, because Mural is a you know blank canvas. Smart, literally, yeah. um, th- there's there's a lot of work like facilitating sessions. So our customers will say, "We need help facilitating session." We can actually tap people in our network. So when we talk about community, um, it it actually then it actually inverts. So then we have people who come from our community who are themselves. Experts in their domain, but then also experts using our tool and in our space, and they come inside and, and they actually do work for us as well too. So that, particularly for mural, uh, that that outreach I think is super important um, to 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 be able to have those those, net, those rings of networks. It's not just community. I bump up to somebody in a forum. It's you know people who are very close to us as well too, and can do the same work that that we do internally.
0: So interesting. What is their motivation? Is it purely passion? do they get account credits? Do they like, it, it, and, it, and how? Do, do, I know this is a yeah. little bit off topic and a little bit in, in the detail, but how did that program start? It makes yeah. so much sense. And I can already see it for us. Yeah.
1: I mean, it started into, like we see from both sides, right from 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 the mural side, but also from the consultant side of things. I think you know consultants during the pandemic, they needed new ways to engage. they they everybody was trying, how do I engage my my customers? I suddenly have to do remote design sprints or you know uh, innovation session or whatever whatever it was, or even just having a conversation with your co- a, a customer as a consultant, you know with your client. Uh, and I think mural uh, helps them, right? Because it's it's a new thing and they and they can use it um, as as a way to engage customers. So we arm them with you know free mural accounts uh, on a limited basis and, and and give them some enablement and things like that. So there's so there's a benefit immediately there. But there's also for some of them there was compensation as well too, or at a minimum a matchmaking. So we would say, hey, our customer uh, our customer wants this service and you provide it, and then they would play. it. So we we become the matchmaker. We've also then paid the consultant. So there's financial uh, as well too, right? I think from our side, um, it, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's good to, that we have these networks as well, too, because obviously then it, we have more people who are experts in using Mural in their own work. So they're demonstrating the value to more and more people that we could, can we can't do that. It, we don't scale, you know, at the, at the way that we can through our networks. So it's really about, you know, uh, help, helping us scale through our networks.
0: Yeah, I love it. It, it. it So at BombBomb, we have the inherent benefit that when someone receives a well-timed, well-executed video message, that one of the natural consequences is, oh my gosh, that was amazing. That was different. That was better. And I can see the same thing happening right. for murals. Totally. Like, you know, a consultant goes in on an account on their expertise, but they happen to execute it through mur- mural. And right. one of the natural follow-up questions is, um. By the way, thank you for all the work that you're what doing. What was but that? What is yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Tell exactly. me about this. Yeah, yeah. So good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that um that you were critical. Uh, I, I'm assigning that word. You didn't say that. Critical in in building the customer success organization. You were VP of mm-hmm. CX. Yeah. Tell me about what was going on maybe in the three to 12 months before the transition to chief evangelist, like yeah. set the scene, what was going on internally or what was going on in the market or what was going on mm-hmm. for you personally that kind of planted the seeds for this transition and kind of yeah. how did it happen?
1: Well, I got to go back further than that. to answer Okay, that please. Because it goes back to one of the reasons why I came to mural in the first place. So um, I, I just uh, I got let go from Citrix in about February 2015, and I was on the market. You know, a two-time author at that point in time, uh, and uh, I tweeted out that I was available. Uh, and our CEO pinged me at that time. The company was 12 people, 11 people. I said, "Hey, do you want to write and do some webinars for us? We want some ebooks and webinars." And I actually came on part time. It, w- it wasn't anything near chief evangelist at that point in time, but it was it was an outwardly facing role to help evangelize or advocate. Let's use a different word. Th- uh, what mural was about at the time in 2015? The metaphor of a digital whiteboard wasn't on anybody's radar. Certainly not in large organizations. or very very few. Let's put it that way. So we were trying to build that uh, that reputation for us, but also build the awareness in the market of. Uh, Vi- uh, virtual visual collaboration, but also then remote collaboration as well too. That you can you can do a lot more remote. And I was writing and a lot about that. And then I converted to full time into the customer success role, which for me career wise was a little bit of a sidestep because I have you know more of a design background. Mm-hmm. So the then when the pandemic hit, um, uh, we we had gotten our Series A funding before the pandemic, but then when the pandemic hit, we got our Series B funding, and it was quite uh, quite a lot. And the demand was incredible for us during the pandemic. Uh, we believe we have a solution that helped a lot of people during the pandemic, and I know that because they tell us that. But it totally benefited Mural. That you know, there's no, no. I mean, it's obvious there as well too. And we grew, you know, 10x on every chart. Every chart in Mural just you know went right up. And and then uh, when when I sat down to kind of recalibrate my position in the company you know, I wasn't going to head up a global team of customer success people, you know, and because th- I wasn't the right person. But, you know, my CEO said, well, let's go back to the roots and you get out there and promote again. So um, it actually goes all the way back to to the initial attraction between me and Mural anyway, and then formalizing that in a, in in a role called Chief Evangelist. Hey, thanks
0: for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist-friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast, Speaking of chief evangelist, let's get back to it. Love it. So that answers a couple of questions for me. I mean, it seems like you're in a high level of trust. Your initial engagement years ago with the company came via the CEO, a direct relationship. So there's some, uh, you know, you know the CEO, the CEO knows you. There's a high level of trust. You, you know, you I, I can't can't imagine how helpful those years building the CS org were to. The role you have now um and your story matches up with a lot of the chief evangelist stories i've heard i'm, sp- I'm thinking specifically right now of dan steinman at gainsight who also built the customer success organization there oh. reached a point where he was like i am not really the guy for this anymore um goes to his ceo and says you know thinks okay. he's going to get an a, you know a mutual positive parting of ways and the and the ceo goes Uh, No, I I actually need you to stay in front of customers because whenever you do, it creates impact for the organization and value for the organization. So high level of trust internally, was there any, um, what, what other titles perhaps, I mean, obviously it was this outward facing, like in and out content, teaching, engagement, consulting, all the things that you love to do. Um, What. Chief Evangelist. why, yeah. Chief
1: Evangelist? yeah, I I, I I did gyrations and contortions to try to get away from that uh, primarily because of the you know the the religious connotation that it has. but also, I, I don't know. I felt it was uh, on the one side to a lot of folks, like you know, like my family is like that it's meaningless. <laughs> on on the other side, it might even appear a little bit arrogant. Um, and so I tried to get away from it. I I I I was on the thesaurus, like looking for other words for this. What else could I call myself, right? Um, and things like that. But I came I came back to chief evangelist only because it's it's out there, and that's how we met. You know, Ethan is because you know it's this thing that's kind of out there, um, and you know I guess Guy Kawasaki kind of planted that bug in folks' minds. So. I, I I kept it just to just to kind of uh, latch on to that momentum. Well, what little momentum is there, but I, I I wanted to latch on to that and not create something new because the uh, the alternatives weren't better. Let's just put it that way. Uh, did, have you ever looked for a different title, Ethan? Or I haven't. It's so funny. So the whole way I, the whole reason
0: you and I are talking right now, Jim, and and uh, it is because. I reached out to a chief evangelist uh, who was hosting podcasts, Sangram Vajray. He was a co-founder and he was at Terminus at the time. And I proposed hosting him as a guest on his own show because like most podcasts, it's always about the guest. Mm, Right, yeah. And I said, you know, I think a fun and interesting thing would be your title, chief evangelist. And he playfully referred to himself as the accidental evangelist. Mm. And he said, I'll do you one better find three more evangelists and I'll run it as a four-part series. So I did that almost four years ago now. And one of those four was Guy Kawasaki, who I just oh, reached wow. out to cold. I found some email address on one of his multiple websites, just like guy at guykawasaki.com or guykawasaki at gmail.com. I don't even remember. Um, but because I sent a video with BombBomb Bomb in Gmail, mm. um, we track opens, clicks, and plays through the Chrome extension that activates that tool set inside a Gmail inbox. And so I could see that it was getting open and the video was getting played. And I eventually got a reply back because he uh, from, from publicity at Penguin Random House because he was releasing a memoir. So he was doing nice. publicity. So um, I – you know, at the so i so I wrote up ten things I learned from those four chief evangelists, and I published it in in my you know right hand. I'm the right hand to our cMO or have been kind of as vP marketing um over the past several years. We've co-authored two books together now, one at the time that um that I'm describing here. and uh, he read the post and he was like, "I think we need a chief evangelist. I think okay. it should be you." So I didn't even i i, I did interesting i and, and for me, the resistance wasn't around um the title per se, but we'll get back into that in a minute because I agree, like chief yeah. storyteller isn't it. Yeah, it doesn't um, work. Yeah. And so, um, uh, you know, my, my, I was running, t- I had two direct reports that were running two important teams. So like eight, eight or 10 people total. And people are definitely hiring people to build marketing teams and run marketing teams. People aren't out searching for chief evangelist. So I regard it as a little bit mm-hmm. of a career risk, but it fit my skill set. It fit what I wanted to do. Yeah. I agree for all the reasons you described, like people don't even know that they have a problem of entrusting their most important, valuable messages to faceless typed out text. And so yeah. evangelism, I mean, what Steve said was exactly right. We do, this market needs more evangelists. Right. Um, If we are to grow the whole market and because of who we are and how we go about things, um, not that we're perfect by any means, you know, w- there's faith inside this organization that if we can build this market and make this a more normal activity, yeah. um, send video messages, uh, that we'll get our, our fair share or more than our fair share. And and our greatest threat isn't that company that just popped up and is using a lot of the same language we were using in our marketing four years ago. Right. That's undercut our price by fifty percent. It's the fact that no one cares about this opportunity, right? Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. you. So that was the that was the whole path. So I um I did love and I didn't hate the title to like you, it does have a foundation. That's even why I decided to, to do this podcast right. is I think it's a really interesting opportunity. I do want it to mean something. I want less people this to, I mean, people outside tech in general and software in particular probably still won't ever, recognize this as a normal title. But I think a lot of the folks that you and I are interacting with on a regular basis, I think it can become more normal there. And it's by bringing us together, talking about what it is, perhaps what it isn't, learning the stories of how people got there, um, what success looks like, different ways we're trying to measure it. And I think what we'll continue to learn, and we've already done this in our conversation here, Jim, is um, it's messy. We're trying to figure it out. We don't have the answers, but there's something here. They're like the all the core ideas. That's why I love your flame so much mm-hmm. um, uh, of the four C's. And so uh, anyway, I didn't propose an alternative title. I was just uh, honored by the idea that um, I was seen as worthy of this challenging mission.
1: Yeah, no, they, yeah. W- w- well said. Uh, and again, you know, to go back to a comment I made at the outset here um, the thing that <clears throat> um kind of helped me decide to just go with the chief evangelist title. In, in addition to some of the things that you mentioned was uh, how would customers perceive that? Right. So I was, I was, oh, good, I was good. looking at that. And there is a little bit of an eyebrow raise, like what the heck is that? But it does appear uh, attractive, right? So, Hey, would you like to have a presentation from the chief evangelist? When you say that to a customer, they go, yeah, I would. I don't know what that is, but there's 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 a there's a shine and a halo and a glow to it as well too. So that was the really the the thing that that really got me um, to 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 move towards that title was how will that help me interact with customers? How will that help me get customers' attention? Uh, and I and I thought it would, and it has actually. I've seen that actually. I noticed that um, there there is there is a glow and a halo around it where I where I do get more responses and emails and and gigs and things like that, you know, from the customer side of things.
0: Yeah. I love it. I, and I, again, it's it's part of your initial answer too. What does the customer need? What does the customer want? What does the customer think? I love that you went there with this too. (laughs) And it is, I mean, it is a C-level title, although it's not a traditional one. Um, So I think that carries, you know, it, it, um, the assumption of some kind of an executive presence precedes you. Um, It connotes some degree of authority and, and yet, it's um. It's also non-threatening and yes. curious, and and even, and I've been. I'm sure you have too. You know, initial meeting with a prospect or a customer is like, "Is uh, tell me again what this is?" Yeah. And you describe kind of what you do. They're like, "Oh, that sounds kind of helpful." Yeah. I, you know, let's let's continue. And then, of course, your attitude carries it from
1: there. Yeah, yeah I, I totally totally agree. And you know, I I I get all kinds of requests through LinkedIn and emails of people trying to sell me things. So I think. Sometimes when you approach a customer, they have their dukes up a little bit and they're like, okay, I don't know what chief evangelist is, but he's probably trying to sell me something, right? So I'll have to say, and I think you do this too, Ethan, I'll have to say, I'm not a salesperson. Like I can't, I literally can't sell you anything. I have, I don't have the forms. I can't sell you anything. I'm trying to can't sell you even, an idea. I can't
0: even answer the questions of what it costs to bring oh, yeah. twenty-seven uh, yeah. people What's the on. I don't, I what don't you know.
1: I'll, I'll connect you with the with the rep who can do that. I'm trying to sell you an idea. I'm trying to inspire you. I'm trying to show you that you have a problem that you don't know you have, and actually, it's a it's an important one to 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 to, to address in your organization. So I, you know, I'm selling thoughts and ideas, and I'm trying to win hearts and minds, um, and that kind of thing. But sometimes I'll literally have to disclaim that I'm not selling anything because they come in with their dukes up a little bit and are trying to, you know, uh, protect themselves because they get a barrage of of messages and sales pitches all the time, and they, they they don't want another sales pitch, right?
0: Yeah, I will, and we'll transition a little bit to to your thoughts or advice for either aspiring evangelists, current evangelists, or people in companies that maybe should have evangelists. Yeah. But I'll just offer one caution in advance, kind of alongside what you just shared there. I get uh unsolicited emails and LinkedIn messages all the time for things that are so far outside my purview or even range of influence. And I don't know if it's just because they're absolutely terrible at at targeting. Yeah. Or if it's because they have no idea what my title is. So they might yeah. as well see if I'm responsible for IT services, yeah. which I'm not. So it's probably some combination of the two, but that's I, kind I, of I, a downside of not being clear what your role is.
1: Yeah, that that that's made me raise my eyebrows. I have in my... LinkedIn inbox right now, somebody contacted me three times about offshore development in India. Same. And do I want engineering capabilities? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you have no idea how far away I am from engineering in this yeah. organization. Yeah. I have no influence there. Like, my business <laughs> doesn't
0: super matter unless I'm talking I mean, about you know, a customer. I've been in the company problem.
1: long enough that I know those people, but I, I don't know what they need in terms of engineering. But they reach out to you. Yeah, they do. So I guess, you know, but Ethan, that might be anybody with a C level or even V level um, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get trolled and, and pinged yeah. and all kinds of other things.
0: Yeah. So, um, if someone came to you, Jim and was like, Hey, uh, I, you know, I learned a little bit about what you do. It sounds really interesting. I kind of want to go in that direction. Um, what are a couple of thoughts you'd share or better yet, even maybe what are some of the questions you would ask them to help them understand their situation?
1: <clears throat> yeah. I mean, obviously ask them what the, what their aspirations are in general career wise and, and where they want to go. Um, but I think for me, one one thing that I would want to start with, uh, understanding uh, with them, but also then, you know, helping. And this is, you know, if I were to mentor that person, that hypothetical person that you just sent to me, would be their, their writing and speaking and ability to, uh, to exude inspiration around any topic. It doesn't even have to be um you know the the company you know the the base of my, of my three Cs there um it, it just any anything that they're passionate about is how does how do they take that passion and 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 tell stories to other people how do they take that passion and inspire other people like what 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 have they done to already do that and then i would encourage them ways ways to get started just very very simple things you know start a social media account write a few blog posts and see how that goes. Join conversations in communities and things like that. Um, but you know, I don't know if that's a straight line. There's not a straight line to to being chief evangelist. So I can only I can only reflect on some of the things that were that laid the groundwork for where I am now. And that was to get involved in publishing, speaking, um, uh, you know, inspiring in general. Uh, trying to think. I mean, one of the things that I always tried to do in my writing and my speaking was trying to think of new angles. What, have, what hasn't the market thought about already? And then get passionate about those things, right? Uh, myth busting, things like that I've tried to do but back then. So I do have a couple of concrete things that I could offer. But is that, is that the precursor to becoming a chief of answers? I don't know. I don't know. But you got to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I guess um, something I've shared with people in a similar situation, not necessarily about how do I get into this role or title, but like in a mentor type situation, it's like um, the benefit to doing what you just described, no matter your role and no matter your aspirations is tremendous. People say like, um, you need to find your voice. And I, I always say, you don't find your voice. You develop it. You develop totally. it by writing. You develop it by speaking. You develop your point of view. You yeah. don't find it. It's not around the corner waiting to be discovered on whole. Totally. It's developed yeah. like one piece and one effort, and one trial and one failure at a
1: time. Totally, totally. And I mean, you know, if I uh, if I look back at my, my last two books, uh, Jobs to Be Done, Playbook that you mentioned, and then Mapping Experiences, I had workshopped those four and five years in advance. So for jobs to be done, I was doing workshops at conference. I was speaking at conferences uh, and I did, I did a workshop where I was trying to teach people about jobs to be done before I had the confidence to actually write that book because I would go out and um, fail. I "I think I have the new way to explain jobs to be done as it does not resonate. You know, it didn't, it didn't hit, or it confused people. um, Or I just said the wrong thing even, you know, so there was a lot of, you know, crash tests, dummy, Uh, runs at a brick wall that I took before I got to the point where I could write the book. But the point is, I put myself out there and was willing to incrementally get up on stage and go one step further, right? Okay. I I got this down. What's the next little thing? Go out there and, and be out there, which puts yourself open for criticism as well, too. Like, what authority does this guy have? Or that's wrong. Or, you know, this isn't. So um, you 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 need to be willing to 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 be open and be and be out there. Yeah, it's one of the most daunting things about it for me. It was a, like
0: a long, slow emergence, and it came out of being in a very young company that didn't have all of its bases covered. So I started doing a lot of our initial onboard, Like I never delivered a webinar, but like onboarding webinars, we got a speaking opportunity at a pretty significant conference in an industry that we were growing in, and. It's like, hey, Ethan, that's gonna be yours. I'm like, I've never. I had to go buy a new suit. I didn't even have like a nice suit at the time, <laughs> and so, um, and it, and it is nerve wracking, but it's a it's a long, slow build. Let's flip it a little bit for a leader, whether it's a CEO or similar. Um, how would you advise a leader or a leadership team to think about this hmm. opportunity, what it represents? Um, one that's maybe a little bit like what is this a chief evangelist thing, yeah, like that sounds yeah. like a luxury item. I don't know if we can afford that or why yeah. would we bother? Um, you know, isn't this just traditional marketing? What are some um, words of advice or maybe provocative questions or leading questions you would ask um, or, or ideas that you would offer to a leader in that position?
1: Yeah I mean uh, be, I think it, I think it goes back to some of the things that we were just saying is that there's not a direct career path to becoming chief evangelist so there would have to be some some searching like literal searching but also soul searching to you know who stands out in, when you think about your field and your industry the domain that you're in you know who kind of stands out as somebody who's passionate and inspiring and credible and very knowledgeable about the the the, the area, um, and 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 kind of doing that 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 reconnaissance, uh, at least you know mentally, or maybe even you know pinging people as well too. Um, and the, the the other side of that though is, I think there is a little bit of a leap of, leap of faith, and that's why I'm so grateful to my organization that they have enough faith and trust in 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 what I do and the potential value that I can bring back to the organization. Um, because I do think the degrees of separation in causality are, are pretty, it's pretty far. You know, I do the, if I plant this fire now, uh, we might not see the results until later. And those results won't be a straight line either. It's kind of the accumulation of the fires as well, too. So that, you know, in a tree, in a traditional business way, there has to be a little bit of a leap of faith as well, too. Um, but I think business, I think business folks have that, and they actually want that. I think to some degree as well too. They want to be able to have a a, a, a passionate idea about a future vision that they can get behind. And I think that the person that you identify in your reconnaissance to do that has to kind of um, represent the passion that they owe, that they themselves have as well too for the field, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I appreciate your call there for the leap of faith. And this works with the other things that you're doing. This isn't a silver bullet, but it's also not, um, you know, this disconnected thing. How do you, you've given me so much time already, but um, I I forgot to ask, how do you, like, what is your reporting structure? Do you report to the CEO um, or do you report up through marketing or like,
1: or CS or like? Yeah, I, I, it kind of bounced around, and what I've, what I've kind of learned is it, it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, it, it was, totally it was, doesn't. It, it's so helicopter, you know, and I, and I can be in all parts of the organization. Uh, I've done work with product, with sales, with customer success uh, and, and with other marketing, uh, obviously, as well too. Um, when I first started, I reported to the CEO, and then I reported to our head of community, and then I reported to our CMO. Uh, and now we just created something called the Collaboration Design Institute, and I report over there now, too. So for me, it's, it's really just a matter of, you know, who do I submit my vacation requests to? But, yeah. but but otherwise, there you know, I get so much inbound. I don't know how much inbound you get, Ethan, but I get so much inbound that my dance car is full. Like, you know, it, it's it's what I say no to. So I don't think there's ever a question of, um, you know, is, is there not? Does somebody need to manage that work? Uh, the question is, where, where strategically should Jim be playing the most, right? And I don't, I still, I'm still optimizing that. Like, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I thought it was originally it was going to be webinars and, and having my own show and being more of a marketing thing. But now I'm starting. Well, maybe it's more on the sales side and the customer success side. So I kind of go back and forth. I don't know about you. Have you found your sweet spot yet, Ethan?
0: <laughs> um, no. And it's I call my, I describe my work when I get into this conversation as seasonal. You know, Mm -hmm. it depends on it depends on what's going on in the business at the time, like this year, this calendar year of 2022 has been um, a a key theme has been a refocus on an industry that we've been serving as long as I've been a, a, a member of the team, which is, you know, over a decade now. Um, but but it's a refocusing there. And so it's a re-immersion yeah. into that and listening to podcasts in the space, developing content in the space, right? Reengaging yeah. my relationships in the space, um, and uh and actively um delivering presentations on behalf of our CSMs or account executives, you know, a prospect yeah. account or a customer account, um, around some of the things that I was observing right. and where we kind of fit in the picture and some of the challenges in that space and how they can think about it, even beyond bomb bomb. But then of course you know, video messages become a character in the story at a certain point. So the answer is no, it kind of like Mm. it's, it's ebb and flow. And I do report into marketing, as I said, like Steve, Mm. our CMO, um, kind of advocated for this to happen for me and for the company. And, and I've always been kind of his right-hand person. And so I'm still in marketing. And so, you know, I, If the season calls, I'm writing landing pages and doing email sequences and doing onboarding videos for a particular vertical or, you know, these kinds of things. And so it really ebbs and flows. Um, But I think the key theme, again, just going back to a leader thinking about this is, you know, not only is it someone who truly understands the customer, understands the space um is capable of doing some of the practical things you described leading a session writing competently etc it's it's also and this is just kind of what you said about your dance card it's like it's also someone whose editorial judgment or you know just yeah. judgment you trust like right. if you have 3 opportunities can can you trust this person to make the right decision on behalf of the company and the various stakeholders that have competing priorities? That's the other right. challenge of working across, you know, yeah. six different functions in the org is they all exactly. think what they're doing is the most important thing. Exactly. And so you have to kind of weigh that out a little bit and, and still be available to everyone. Because it, you can't say, hey, I'm available to help you and your team get your mission accomplished. Yeah. but not this time and not the last time either but probably the next time maybe so it's like it's it's a dances a dance card is a great analogy yeah, yeah. for it because it's um it's difficult to decide and it really is um depends for me on the season yeah. um and the situation but like you and a lot of other people i've talked to the tendency is to say yes and the challenge is to figure out how
1: and when and where to say no right. I love the seasonal metaphor there, too. and I, I would at least from my perspective, I would characterize it as the seasons of the strategy because yes. you, you know you're 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 constantly testing pressure testing your strategy, and then you get market feedback and something happens. and you, there's a reorg or you're repositioning or there's new capabilities. or you know in our case, in March, we announced our aspirations to actually level up our category from whiteboard to what we call collaborative intelligence that we want to actually be. Uh, a, a larger organization or the domain that we address is a larger organization, which if you listen to my previous answers, that's what we were doing anyway, you know, so now it's part of our official category. And as part of that, we acquired a company called Luma, who has methodologies, and they're actually a training and enablement company for human centered design and innovation in organizations. So now you have a where you do work, the space mural, and then how you do it, the methods as well, too. And those are just the first two cornerstones in this much larger context that we call collaborative intelligence. And guess what? We're writing a book. I'm co-authoring a book with our CEO right now. So when I think about the last two quarters that I did, it was really focused on that content and getting that message honed right, and, and things like that. Um, did, did I, did I generate a lot of ARR and do a lot of one-off podcasts and webinars last quarter? No, not, not as much as I had done in the last year, but the season of our strategy kind of dictated that I focus my attention there on that content in the book.
0: So good. You just opened the door (laughs) to like 10 more questions, but we don't have time for those in this conversation. I love what you're doing. Um, so I guess uh, just kind of a fun question for you. Um, Personally or professionally, is there like a product or a service or an idea that you evangelize just naturally because you just oh, love it so
1: much? That oh, that that that's a that's a great question. And you warned me about this. I, and the first thing that came to my mind, so I'll just um I'm I'm just gonna say the first thing that came that came to my mind. And it was during our last when you when you mentioned this yesterday, I was actually walking on the street, as you know, and I am a I am a radical pedestrian and bicyclist, uh, not not against drivers or cars, but particularly in urban environments, which I live in. Uh, I, I think we need to spend a lot more attention to the design of our streets for pedestrians, public transportation and bicyclists and things like that. So I don't know much about urban planning, uh, from a formal standpoint, but I actually, I actually advocate and and am very very passionate about alternative modes of transportation, bicycle lanes, pedestrian area, all of those things that are kind of you know uh, um, hallmarks of modern cities actually these days. So that's something I, that I kind of off the off the off of outside of mural that is that I'm an advocate for as well too.
0: Love it. I I'm with you on that completely. And I wonder what like I've seen it in you know, some smart cities type stuff. It's interesting because it's critical, but it doesn't have a home, right? Like it's not in the yeah. public transportation right. conversation. Right. It's probably a background distant theme. Like I like that needs a home for sure. Not and I'm with you me. 100%. Um, Jim, if people have enjoyed this, they want to learn more about the books you've written. They want to learn more about Mural. They want to connect with you.
1: Yeah. Um, Where are some places you would send people to follow up on this conversation? Uh, I'm, I'm a fairly active on LinkedIn. I love when people connect. So you can find me out on LinkedIn and I post there as well too. Uh, Twitter as well too. So it's at Jim Callback on Twitter and you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jim Callback uh, Mural. I don't know if there's multiple Jim callbacks there but you can uh, distinguish me by the mural uh role there. Uh, I also have a website on the heels of my last book the jobs to be done toolkit we launched the jobs to be done uh sorry jobs to be done playbook is the name of the book and the toolkit is the website that we have so it's gdtoolkit.com gtdtoolkit.com Uh, And we have uh, courses there that uh, we have an online video course, but we also do live courses. And then we also do this community event once a month as well, too. And that's kind of, you know, the answer to your question there. The other side passion that I have is around jobs to be done. So I'm out talking about jobs to be done and teaching jobs to be done as well, too.
0: Awesome. He is Jim Callback. That's K-A-L-B-A-C-H on LinkedIn and on Twitter, jobs to be done, JTBD toolkit.com. Uh, I am Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. You can hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. I thank you so much for your time, Jim. And I thank all of you for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, if you learned something, if you got a good idea out of it, share it with somebody else. That's the way these things grow. Uh, we both, Jim and I are both of the same mind that this should be a, a normalized or at least better understood Uh, role and responsibility. I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of people in a lot of spaces and sharing this podcast is one way to spread it. So um, thank you again, Jim.
1: Yeah. Ethan, I really appreciate your energy, the podcast, the, the post that you mentioned, and then the group that you formed as well too. And thanks for having me on. Yeah. A
0: pleasure. That wraps up this episode of chief evangelist. Thank you for joining us, and thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.